Welcome back to Pod Hates Louisa, a weekly podcast where I talk about whatever the hell I want. This week's episode is on a very controversial and taboo topic, and I was inspired by a movie I watched recently, Bones and All, which is that cannibal love story movie with Timothy Chalamet, and the other main actress is Taylor Russell, I believe, and she did a phenomenal job. And the movie was just generally really good. It is extremely violent and weird and intense and creepy, but it also completely gripped my attention, and I thought it was beautifully shot and acted. It's shot by the same guy who did Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino. But basically the whole movie seems to kind of humanize people who eat people at first, and then it kind of also demonizes some of them. And it really made me think more about social and ethical and scientific perspectives on cannibalism. So I really wanted to make an episode about it because I feel like it's just inherently an interesting topic. I also saw a really great Nicole Raffi video on YouTube about cannibalism recently, and that was what prompted me to watch Bones and All in the first place. And she made some really good points specifically about how the pandemic has made us collectively more interested in capital in (laughs) cannibalism and like post-apocalyptic drama in general which often involves people in very desperate survival type scenarios so let's dig into this episode and content warning i will obviously be discussing cannibalism and human death in this episode and also sexual assault but not in any graphic detail because i don't want to and this is my podcast and i can do whatever i want so i want to start with like a brief history of human cannibalism, or at least the incidents that I find the most interesting. So both human and Neanderthal bones bearing evidence of cannibalism have been found dating back to 100,000 years ago, and there's actually a theory that humans' 127V gene protects them against certain diseases spread by cannibalism, and that's why the Neanderthals died out and humans didn't, because apparently everyone was eating each other back then. And Stone Age British bones also show evidence of cannibalism. Classic British behavior. For all legal purposes, this is a joke. Then in the third century BCE, St. Jerome wrote about a group of people called the Atticati who raided Britain and were cannibals who considered human butts and breasts delicacies. But take that with a grain of salt, this could totally just be a made-up story. Most religious things are, in my experience. There are tons more historical accounts throughout the Middle Ages of cannibalism, both for survival and ritual purposes, among people including crusaders, Tibetan Buddhists, who believed it could help them reach enlightenment if they ate people who had been reincarnated a lot and attained a high level of enlightenment themselves, and also the Mongols, Aztecs, and the Korowai. Then I found some really weird stories about lycanthropy, which is basically werewolfism. Apparently a ton of different French guys in the 16th century were executed for killing and eating children, and one of the charges they were executed for was lycanthropy. So apparently being a werewolf was considered a legitimate crime in 16th century France. In the 17th century, members of a Dutch political movement called Orangism literally ate the rich. Well, they ate two anti-monarchist politicians because they supported this certain line of princes instead, and the anti-monarchists obviously didn't like princes. And all of the craziest shit seems to be happening in France because in the 18th century, there was this guy named Terrar who was basically famous for his insatiable appetite, and he could apparently eat like a quarter of a bull by his teenage years. Not like a bowl of soup, like a bull like a male cow, and would also eat like corks and military documents and other stuff that wasn't food and he was in the hospital receiving whatever crazy treatments they were doing back then in an effort to normalize his appetite but he kept sneaking out of his room to try to eat everything including other patients blood and bodies in the morgue and he was ejected from the hospital after allegedly eating a one-year-old child what a guy then in the 1840s this group of people migrating to california called the donner party became trapped by a heavy snowfall when trying to take a shortcut and some of them did resort to cannibalism, including eating the bodies of those who had died 
died of natural causes, but also killing their indigenous guides specifically to eat them. And for me, that's where survival cannibalism crosses the line from morally gray to completely unethical, but we'll touch more on the ethics of cannibalism in a bit. There have also been countless serial killers throughout history who ate people, including Albert Fish and Jeffrey Dahmer, but this is not a true crime podcast, so I'm not going to talk much about them. But there was also a group of pretty well-off people who did it just because they were curious, apparently. In the 1930s, this New York Times reporter named William Seabrook procured a chunk of healthy human flesh and cooked and ate it. He said it was like veal. I don't eat dead baby animals or humans, so I wouldn't know. This guy also went to a garden party with a bunch of wealthy socialites who ate a chunk of human flesh altogether just for the hell of it, apparently. And I think this really illustrates a disparity in how we talk about cannibalism when it's like wealthy white people doing it versus indigenous people of color doing it. Like, no one probably saw these rich-ass white people as less civilized for eating human meat, but it's historically been hugely stigmatized in the Western world when it's been practiced among non-white groups of people. Just food for thought, you know? So like I said, most of the incidents of cannibalism are either like serial killers or like mass famine scenarios, but there are a couple like recent incidents of note. In 2003, a rapper named Big Lurch was convicted for murdering and eating some of a guy while they were both on PCP, which is a dissociative anesthetic also known as angel dust. Then in 2007, a guy named Marco Evaristi, sorry I had to go full Italian there, hosted a dinner where he served his guests a delicious dish of pasta with a meatball made from his own fat after he got liposuction. Is this vegan? I don't know. He certainly consented to that meat being procured, so I don't know. From an ethical standpoint, I'd say that's pretty okay, as long as his guests consented to eating it, of course. The final incident of cannibalism I found intriguing was another incident of auto-cannibalism, which is basically eating yourself, and it was a Reddit user, of course it was, named, and I am not making this up, incredibly shiny shart. His foot was amputated after an accident and he and 10 of his friends ate it together, which I think is ethical. Not something I would personally do though, that's for sure. So now I want to touch on a couple different types of cannibalism and whether they're ethical or not. So like the serial killing cannibalism, that's a no-brainer. No pun intended. Some of them did eat the brains, I believe. Absolutely the fuck not. That is not ethical. But I think a grayer area is like cases of consensual cannibalism. And shout out if you're listening, because my friend regaled me with this story about a guy in Germany named Armin. No, I'm not even going to try. German names are really hard, guys. I'm literally just going to call him, mm, let's call him Armin. Basically, in 2001, Armin solicited a guy through the internet who was willing to be eaten, and this guy named Bernd Jürgen Brandis showed up. I'm just going to call him Bernd. So Armin kissed him, killed him, and then ate him over a couple of weeks. And he live-streamed the entire thing, or he, like, video recorded it and my friend showed me the video. I had to bleach my eyeballs after that. But anyway, to me, this situation could be ethical, but it's unlikely because we'll never know if the guy who was eaten, burned, changed his mind in the moments before his death and tried to revoke his consent. And if it was completely consensual, then I would say it was ethical, but the human self-preservation drive is pretty strong and I would say it's very within the realm of possibility that burnt decided he didn't actually want to 
be eaten, but Armin already had him in his clutches and it was too late. Another kind of morally gray area is survival cannibalism. I mean, it's iffy unless the people who died explicitly consented to being eaten. And I think the main issue here is just consent and whether we as humans should have the right to decide what happens to our bodies after we die. And I feel like from a utilitarian perspective, we shouldn't, and we should let those decisions be made by our loved ones because they're the ones being emotionally affected by our death. Like, they still have a concept of utility because they're still alive, so they can experience pain and pleasure, whereas we can't. And from a utilitarian perspective, we should also let those decisions be driven by medical necessity, like if someone needs an organ you're no longer using, of course they should have it. But then what if the doctors and your loved ones don't agree? What if your family doesn't want to donate your organs, even though they're necessary for other people to survive? And beyond that, something more deep and intuitive and emotional within me just feels that, like, no, people's bodies and organs shouldn't just be expropriated when they die, because if you extend that line of reasoning, you could argue that, like, necrophiliacs should be allowed to sexually assault dead people, because it gives the necrophiliacs utility. And it's really difficult to try to apply utilitarianism in the case of human cannibalism, because it seems to contradict the notions of consent and bodily autonomy that I feel very passionate about. And I feel like those things shouldn't magically just stop being applied after you're dead. One solution could be to consider how it would emotionally affect your loved ones if your body was violated against your wishes, and how that kind of like outweighs whatever pleasure like a necrophiliac would receive from violating you. God, this is so messed up. But that doesn't apply for everyone because some people die alone. Should they be stripped of bodily autonomy when they die because they don't have any loved ones left to care about them? Like, it's a really tricky question to answer, and I'm curious to know what you all think about it. There's also another aspect of cannibalism to consider, which is the safety of it. So I think a lot of cultural taboos and stigmas around cap- I keep saying capitalism! I keep trying to say capitalism! <laughs> My subconscious hates capitalism so much! A lot of cultural stigmas and taboos around cannibalism have probably arisen as an evolutionary adaptation, because there are these specific diseases that you can get by eating human flesh. They're either called prion diseases or prion diseases, and I like how prion sounds, so I'm gonna say that. And basically, CDC defines these as transmissible spongiform encephalopathies, which basically means holes in your brain. Think mad cow disease, but for humans. And they are caused by these proteins called prions, which can trigger other proteins in the brain to start folding abnormally, and then abnormal clumps of proteins start accumulating in the brain, which leads to the loss of neurons. One of the most prominent prion diseases is called Kuru, which leads to the loss of coordination and just tremors in general, and it can also apparently lead to bursts of uncontrollable laughter, which is really creepy. And then there's also Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which has similar symptoms to Alzheimer's disease, mainly dementia, and this disease can be genetic, but it can also be transmitted via consumption of infected brains. So medically, it's actually really interesting how taking in abnormally folded proteins from another being can trigger your own proteins to start folding abnormally in your brain. And then besides the prion diseases, there are also other bloodborne infections that can be transmitted during cannibalism, and that's how a lot of diseases actually spill over from animals to humans, like how HIV likely made the jump from chimps to humans. Well, it wasn't called HIV when it was in chimps. It was like simian immunodeficiency virus. The spillover theory for HIV was that basically a human came in contact with infected chimp blood while killing a chimp because a human was a similar enough environment to a chimp for the virus to survive so it could adapt. And as you can imagine, this transmission is even easier when a virus is already in its preferred host organism. If you have a small cut in your mouth or on your lip or anywhere on your body while eating another human, their blood could absolutely enter your bloodstream and it's 
very likely that you'll be cut because like there are teeth involved you might have used something to kill them not to mention diseases that absorb through your mucous membranes and saliva so it's important to practice good hygiene when killing and eating people again for all legal purposes this is a joke jesus christ don't take me seriously wow my google search history is gonna be super fun after this episode and i really hope the fbi agent watching me through my computer camera doesn't get suspicious but that is all i have for you guys today thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you next week louisa miller out